0: Cinema Talk, the official podcast of the UW Cinematheque. From Madison, Wisconsin, this is Jim Healy, the Cinematheque Director of Programming. The Cinematheque series of free movies to watch at home is continuing with Identifying Features, another strong movie that was originally scheduled to screen at our Wisconsin Film Festival earlier this year. Produced in Mexico, Identifying Features tells the story of Magdalena, played by Mercedes Hernandez who hasn't heard from her son, Jesus, in the two months since he left their small village to cross the border into the U.S. Joined by the recently deported Miguel, played by David Iescas, Magdalena leads a desperate search for her son, whom the authorities believe to be dead, into some of the most violent and remote territories of present-day Mexico. Crossing rugged landscapes by foot and trying to elude countless armed bandits, Magdalena and Miguel's Odyssey offers an unflinching view of a current harrowing crisis. Identifying Features is a chilling and artfully told thriller that marks the auspicious feature-length directorial debut of Fernanda Valadez, whose boldly pronounced style includes suspenseful and fluid long takes, a thought-provoking use of focus, and a precision eye for point of view and composition. Fernanda Valadez is a co-screenwriter, co-producer, and co-editor with Astrid Rondero, and the filmmakers' talents also include a humanistic touch in creating characters that bestows upon them an inner life, allowing us to believe they exist beyond the frames of the movie. Beginning November 5th, the Cinematech has a limited number of opportunities to watch identifying features at home for free. To gain access, send an email address to info at and simply remember to put the title of the movie in the subject line. Our guests on this episode of Cinema Talk are Fernanda Valadez and Astrid Rondero, who together won the Special Jury Award for Best Screenplay at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival, where Identifying Features premiered and also captured the Audience Award in the World Cinema Dramatic category. The two filmmakers have been collaborators on a number of short and feature film projects, including The Darkest Days of Us, a movie that marked Rondero's feature directorial debut in 2017. Together they are the founders of the production companies Enagua Cine and Corpulenta. During our discussion they talk about the real-life inspirations for identifying features and its complicated production history, as well as their cinematic influences and their hopes for the future. Here now is my talk with Astrid Rondero and Fernanda Valadez. Astrid and Fernanda, welcome to Cinema Talk. It's nice to have you both. Can you uh, begin by telling us your original inspiration for this film?
1: Well, um, we've we've worked on this project for quite a long time. Um, I think it was around 2011, 2012, and in Mexico we were finding out about many news that revealed a humanitarian crisis. So uh, we've before the feature, we made a short film entitled 400 Bucks, and we explored that same story there, but I felt immature as a director and, and, and uh, I think Uh, that short film allowed us to explore what I really wanted to tell and and also in terms of the script, I think it made clear for both of us that we needed to to expand the story to give uh, a broader sensation of of this humanitarian crisis. So after that short film, we, uh, I think, Astra and I regrouped and and we worked on the script of the feature. Uh, Even though the the core of the story is kind of the same: the mother looking for the son and the deported young man, uh, expecting to see her mother again. Uh, I, I think actually it was fundamental to to help me broaden that that story in, into a uh, a bigger scene of what what was happening in Mexico. But
0: oh, right, I just wanted to follow up, Fernanda. Uh, you you said there were some qualities to the short film that you felt marked you as a less mature director. Can you identify what those were even briefly?
1: I think because I felt very shy about uh, talking about something that hasn't uh, fortunately happened to me personally, uh, I used a very traditional uh, cinematic language and, and, and I was quite unsure about how to tackle uh, characters that were very different from myself and very different from each other. Uh, so uh, I think what I did find in that show film is that uh, it was better to be simple and and to kind of being honest and and to assume that ca- the characters that can be very different from myself as as a director and, and as a writer, no matter what. They're they're human, and so the emotions are are still very very similar. So th- I think that was the finding. Even though in terms of of, of the language, I I did feel um, undeserving. I think.
0: Well, allow me to, you know, offer congratulations not just on the the completion of the film, but specifically uh, its reception and also. Uh, what I think is a really accomplished uh, uh, and deeply thought out visual style that really really makes it a movie, really makes it a cinematic experience.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Uh, we, we worked a lot and, and I think what we found is that uh, this story, because of the theme and, and because of what's happening in Mexico, Required all our attention, and I think our honesty in terms of, of empathy towards the characters.
0: Astrid, do you want to follow up on on the film's progression to completion? Did you have something you wanted to add? You
2: no know, basically, that the, the work that we did at that point after the short film was like um, kind of 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 broaden the horizon of the story, like trying to get not not only get more characters in it, but trying to portray how big the, the problem is in Mexico. And at that and that's something that really changed uh, for us as 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 citizens in Mexico City, that we felt that these stories happened only in the border, to some kind of, of social type of people class or so social class, like poor people basically in rural areas. And it, it started to change and it became like a, 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 a big problem that happened to all, all levels also of society, even in cities. And, and a lot of people started disappearing. So I think that that was the main difference. And that is the main difference between the, the short film and the, and, the, and the feature. And that was something that we really wanted to explore. And that's why we, we did a, a feature after the short film.
0: And we see that difference in Magdalena, who comes from uh, a rural village, and also uh, uh, the, the, the mother who's searching for her son, Diego, who is a, some kind of medical professional, I think, right? And, and and we see their class differences. So we're talking about the short film versus the uh, feature, but I also I read in the press notes that when the feature was being developed, I think I understood this correctly, that even even then, from the script to what eventually showed up on screen, the scope of the story was scaled down a little bit uh, or, or quite a bit I guess whether there were there more characters or more of more action depicting the same characters that we already see in the film I think uh,
1: not so much the scope of the story, but the scope of the production. And that was because this project was difficult to finance and in, in in Mexico. Even though um, when we I talk about this, it's kind of ironic because we felt that was difficult to finance. But now we have lost some of the public funds, so <laughs> if we were doing this right now, it would be even more difficult. But at that time, we found a percentage of of the cash that we needed to to make this film and we struggled to find the rest Uh, at some point we just we just said this is all we're gonna get and we need to change our scheme our production scheme and and try to figure out how 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 we're going to make this movie Uh, at some point we we thought we wouldn't be able to to make it but then uh, Astrid and and myself, we kind of sat down and and just found a way. And what we did was to really think what we could put in front of the camera in terms of because what you put in front, you pay for, or at least uh, you you, you figure out some way of of shooting it. And just... uh, figure out the way of telling the story without so many things in front of the camera. And so what changed was the approximation, the way we, we ended up shooting this film.
0: Again, that's uh, surprising to hear given how visually rich the film is uh, and how much is in front of the camera um, and and how much that's evocative. Uh, there's To me, there's a... a the movie begins with a dream logic that eventually gives way to a nightmare logic Uh, and that's both in the deliberate choice of images sometimes these are uh this is an elliptical choice of images so we'll see very briefly uh a child twirling on a swing for example or the harvesting of something maybe it appears to be corn uh, somebody walking under a tree. Sometimes we have keys to what these things are later on. Uh, we 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 can maybe realize what they are. Not not necessarily all the time. Sometimes they're associated with characters waking up, uh, but not necessarily. Um, and I guess I'd like to ask you as as co-editors, maybe Astrid, you can you can answer this. Um, what what was done to uh, achieve that kind of rhythm and. And at what point did that uh, become an an intention or or a, a design for telling this story?
2: Well, I think that was, and that's that's probably Fernanda's fault, and, and that's one of her accomplishments, is that the it's very similar from the script, for, for, for what she was really expecting. And basically, the work at the editing room was tightened up a little bit, because there were some parts that were too long, a, a little bit lagging, and things like that but basically the order and the idea of Fernanda of how to use these images in, in terms of how to to portray because Fernanda what she wanted to do was portray the, the inner uh, journey of this character and how he starts with this hope and this idea of she being able to find her son and finally realize that she's just uh, uh, well yeah that it's his his uh, her son is completely gone forever for her at that one point in a in a very in a very terrible way so i think that that transition that that was really really well thought by fernanda in in the kind of images she wanted and one one scene that for me was really when i was editing and it really stood out at that point was the the scene of of the the flipped landscape that she wanted to have something like, and it's very powerful. I, I, we cannot even explain with words, but I, I think that she 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 really she really got a very powerful image that that makes us understand a little bit of how the character feels at that point.
0: The the other uh, aspect of the movie's dream logic, the, where it, that that feeling comes from, is partly in the way the movie plays with this idea of identification and both in the title, the identifying features of the title, which evokes the many migrants who are victims of of murder or disappearance uh, that we learn about in the movie, but also in viewer or audience identification in the way that we might follow one character for a good significant chunk of the movie, uh, a series of scenes or sequences, and then we leave them behind for a while or for the entire rest of the film, and also in the way that some characters come into and then are dispatched from the story, sometimes violently, sometimes uh, they just move on with their lives and we don't see them anymore. Um, So this is characters that, to some extent, we've been asked to identify with or empathize with, and then they're taken out of the story unexpectedly. Can you discuss your strategy here in this particular aspect of the storytelling?
1: Well, that's something... um that that I I think Catherine and I like to talk about because I think what we try to accomplish when we were writing and playing with the structure and uh, introducing characters that that were taking out uh, suddenly like like the other mother like the doctor uh, and introducing for example the the young man that's coming from the United States deported. Uh, until like 20 or 25 minutes um, in the film. That play we did with the structure. In, when we were writing, we, we were told by different people that that wasn't working. And I think because when, when you when you read something, you use your head and, and your intellect more than your emotions and, and your empathy. And of course, we listened to that and we tried to fix things that we agreed weren't working but uh, when we were editing and, and we were watching the film uh, assemble for the first time I think we agreed that it did kind of work and of course we had to do some work uh, around uh, scenes lagging and, and, and what you usually do when you are editing but for for me it was kind of a, an understanding that when you write and, and that's something I, I have learned from, from Astrid you, you can be uh very aware of, of the filmmaking and, and and we tried to do that to to write uh kind of uh, an essay of, of the filmmaking so in terms of images and so we were discussing how to cut and, and, and how how i was going to shoot this film and so but but my i kind kind of got lost in the idea our realization is that uh, the writing—it's more, more about the head and, and the filming, more about the emotions and things that f- weren't feeling right for readers did feel right for for viewers, and, and uh, I think that's interesting and, and funny also.
0: A- after the first half hour or so, uh, the characters are placed in this world run amok, where you know civilization and social conventions have completely broken down, and it's almost like a post-apocalyptic kind of world we've seen in other movies that would be called fantasy uh, where once you enter you're more likely to wind up dead than alive and there's fire imagery and demonic devil imagery Um, and it's clear that this is how this part of the world, this part of Mexico appears to the central character Magdalena who's a woman who we learn comes from a small village, has had very little, if any, academic instruction. But I'm curious to hear to what degree you share as a director this vision of hell on earth. To, to what degree it reflects your own vision of this part of the world.
1: Well, I think that uh, the image that we have of Mexico before um, two thousand and ten and two thousand and eleven changed dramatically after certain events that happened, particularly the massacres of of migrants and uh, other events like uh, small villages becoming uh, phantom go phantom towns um, and and I think our perception of Mexico really changed and the more we researched the more I think Astrid and I got this feeling that we were witnessing um, perhaps the word, it's not genocide because of of the characteristics of of multiple events around violence, but definitely a humanitarian crisis of of very uh, serious um, uh, quality and and, and quantity in in terms of of the victims. So I, I think this film reflects Uh, our shock to this realization of of the country we're living in and how it changed in the last years Uh, but I, I don't know Astrid if you want to say something
2: well you said it very well basically I think that it's not like that everywhere in Mexico of course because it's a big country and that's that's kind of the trouble for for the for, for our society to realize that we're in a in a in a very bad situation regarding uh, drug cartels and and the humanitarian crisis of, of of migrants and it's gonna get even even more terrible now that we're hosting m- much more migrants than we did before because of of the new treaties between Mexico and 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 the U.S. So it's uh, what can I say? We don't want to portray a, a bad image of our country, of course. It, nobody wants to do that, but it's it's a reality that we're living in, and we hope that we really get in touch with that and start changing it before it, it, it gets even closer to home.
0: No, oh, yes. And, of course, you've delivered as artists in both your conception and making of the film in creating awareness of a, of a dangerous... Social and even political problem, uh, and you've also delivered a visceral and emotional movie experience, which I think is only going to help create more awareness of this. and And it feels as you're watching the film that your that your priorities are uh, on those two things of creating a work of art and and creating awareness are are equal. They're they're very well blended and, and matched. At this point, I wanted to ask you about um, categorization or, or or genre because I think it's a movie that really transcends those those sorts of things. Um, but I wonder to what degree either of you see the movie as a horror film.
2: That's very interesting, Fernanda. <laughs> well,
0: when
1: when we were developing the film. Uh, I thought of it as a road movie, but I did wanted to feel this journey like an immersion into uh, the, the world. Uh, I think I thought or, or felt was kind of a purgatory, uh, or or kind of sometimes when when I was just just writing notes without much sense. But I wanted to feel like a descent to hell, uh, kind of a, in in in. In an inner way, like uh, uh, not, not an actual, um, but in, in a metaphorical way. And that was um, more so when we were discussing, uh, Astrid and I, what to do with the scenes around violence. And the more I was writing specifics, the less I think the film, at that point, the script communicated what I wanted. And, and that was the the empathy towards the characters and this emotional journey. And Astrid was the first and, and the one who had the, this idea to, to use the image of the devil. And so we began exploring how to represent the devil and, and we were discussing perhaps using a dog, perhaps using some other figures. And at the end we just thought we, we're going to, to use the image of the devil in in kind of in a lyrical way. And when we settled for that, those scenes began to work much better, because um, and 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 we really don't want to feel like we believe in this uh, very factual relationship between good and evil. It's not that what we wanted to express was that the evil it's inapprehensible, and there are so many things that create the uh, uh, a situation when a really young boy that should be going into high school, is migrating to the U.S. and then uh, forcefully recruited into into drug dealing and crime. That's the evil. And, and we wanted a more lyrical way to express that, how a boy gets pulled into a whirlwind of violence. And, and well, it, it was fun. I don't know if the words define it, but it was exciting to, to write about that and, and to discuss and, and to kind of imagine these um, images that we would end up using in the film.
0: There's a uh, remarkably controlled uh, sense of, of camera use, uh, seems to me. Uh, what I assume to be mostly fixed lockdown camera positions and shots. Uh, and w- another sequence that impressively uses uh, three longish takes to depict uh, Miguel's crossing over the border back into Mexico. Can you talk about this sequence in particular when Miguel's uh, crossing the border? Uh, what you were trying to express in, in the way that you you delivered? I think it's just three, three shots, I think. Uh, it's not a continuous long take, but it's it's, uh, we're, we're following uh, Miguel from behind mostly, uh, and we catch up to him a little bit. But it's it's a it's a remarkably smooth uh, sequence. Is it is this um, something like a steadicam being used, or is it is it uh, any special device? Is it just a just a handheld camera?
1: It, it's a uh, because we didn't have permission to to do that scene, and, and we just went for it and. I mean, we we tried to to get a permission, but we had done a film before, uh, Astrid's first feature as a director in that same area, in, in Tijuana, San Diego, and, and Rosarito. We were really familiar with the border and, and um, just getting a permission to shoot the crossing, it's really, really complicated or really expensive. So even though we tried, we assumed from the beginning, it would be almost impossible and so we prepared ourselves to to do it. Um, I mean, just like undercover, so to speak. And what we did was uh, we got a visa for for the actor. That's another unfortunate story uh, that 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 perhaps we can tell later. And we just uh, crossed the border and. and Claudia Becerril, DTP, the, the and myself were the only ones shooting at that time. Uh, Astrid was waiting for us on the other side with, with some papers in case we got in, into trouble. And I think what happened is that because we were women and, and because Claudia, the P, she's so uh, like agile, but at the same time, like sweet and and... It's the kind of person you never imagine can get into trouble just because the way she looks, she looks so nice. And, and she was with a running S and just a very small camera, a Sony Alpha, and, and I was just by the side. Uh, we, we Of course, we talked about what to frame and, and talked to the actor of what to do, but pretty much we went inside and, and kind of improvised and... Uh, what's what amazed me is that just the guards were like just say, saying hi to Claudia because they didn't imagine she was actually shooting and we had to cut when we had to put the camera on the x-rays and then we <laughs> resumed shooting
0: <laughs>
1: and you, you we kept the there. camera
0: running when it went through the x-ray machine
1: and for some part but then they realized we were shooting and we had to stop
0: okay <laughs> they just they just asked you to turn it off yes oh that's that's, that's great Um, after, uh, this sequence and, and before it throughout the film, um, there are these fixed camera positions and these are positions, uh, vantage points that often deny us even a glimpse of several characters who would have significant amounts of, of dialogue. And these are people who, uh, uh, Magdalena is meeting in her, in her journey to find her son. Uh, getting information. Uh, they, even though they speak a lot, we we, almost, we sometimes get only brief glimpses of them. They come in and out of the frame and speak to her from outside of the frame, or they're, you know, we don't see them at all. They're, you know, we only see Magdalena's uh, point of view. Can you talk about shooting this way as opposed to a more uh, freewheeling, pseudo-documentary approach, which I think we see too, far too often, uh, these days?
1: I think in life sometimes we have blessings in, in disguise and originally the way we shot this film had to do with not having much money like we were saying a little while ago to put things in front of the camera and and that made us think that this was an opportunity to really use that to know show things and and even though we had the actors because they were there just to to make them feel around us but not uh, a stage in a way that we were revealing uh, a lot of what was happening. And and I think that has to do when we were discussing about the script, uh, Astrid said something that really uh, just stuck inside me that it was really important that this story felt inside the victims. And and these victims, I think, in Mexico, uh, the survivors of enforced disappearances or or the people being recruited, I I don't think they understand what's happening because in the end, in Mexico, there's so much we don't know about these phenomenons that there's no way you can really know uh, the tensions and the forces and the actors that are really playing in in all these horrible things. So I think I try to to use this like an advantage and and take the audience into this journey without really seeing what's happening. And and on the other side, um, I decided not to see many of the characters Magdalena crosses paths with uh, just to to enforce this feeling that you don't get to see also as an audience, as she doesn't get to understand the journey uh, she's in, and some of those scenes uh, were really planned, and and some some others were decisions in the editor room, editing room. Uh, that I did shot like the other face, the the. the the other character, but decide not to to use them because it was working, and and just we tried to to give it some kind of unity.
0: I want to return to this idea that I think the movie defies genre and categorization, and ask, because I'm I'm curious uh, if there are other, for both of you, and maybe Astrid, you can, you can start, if there are uh, other role models and, and inspirations, cinematic, Literary, or you know, or otherwise, uh, that uh, that have guided you not just on this film, but I, I guess m- maybe uh, on, even on your other collaborations.
2: Well, we we were we were reading a lot about um, about what happened in how do you say the Holocaust. A, a lot of, of a lot of books regarding that. And also some films that I think that that were really important at that point when we were writing, uh, I don't know uh, the name of the film, uh, Come and See, uh, Klimov, which we think it's uh, one of the biggest films about war. Uh, We we wanted to do the opposite, but have this feeling of really going through hell and and understanding something like at the end of the film, you kind of understand something dark that you really don't want to, to experience in real life. Uh, we also watch a lot of the, this film, that Waking Fright. I don't remember now the, the name of, of the director, which is an awesome director. And I think that's that, yeah, exactly. Well, great, great director. And we love that film. And we love also that, that feeling of getting into a nightmare, No, and I think that that was the kind of films that we were watching at that point, not in terms perhaps of how Fernanda was going to to shoot the film, but more of the feeling of of the kind of film that we wanted to portray. Fernanda read a lot about uh, the massacres in Rwanda. We were trying to understand a a little bit how in different parts of the world, these kind of horrors happen without us at the end understanding how it all started. And in Mexico, we have uh, that that same but uh, basically that same scenario we've, we've been we're really really in in a tragic situation regarding the number of victims that we have today and it's growing even though the the government changed and it, it the, the numbers are, are even bigger now.
0: Fernando, was there any anything else you wanted to add to that uh that list?
1: Well uh The Ascent by Larissa Shepitko was also a, a great inspiration and like Gastrit said not not like uh, in terms of uh, appropriating kind of a language, but being inspired by by a feeling and an atmosphere and an emotion, and 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 even though some, another film that doesn't have uh, to do with with war, but in in terms of using the landscape, walk about the first feature of Nicolas Roeg, that's something that that really uh, inspired us. Uh, I think um, well. I think that's something beautiful, that you um, you get inspired by books and, and by stories, by reality, of course, by other films. And, and when I, I think we just tried to do the best we could, uh, being inspired by, by reality and, and by them.
0: I wanted to ask another technical question um, about the decision to shoot in uh, widescreen. I don't know if it was an anamorphic process that you used... Uh, to shoot in the I guess it's what would be called the traditional cinema scope aspect ratio um, but uh, obviously it's something that makes the film much more cinematic and especially if you if you are able to see this film on, a, on a, in a, in, in, within a cinema on a big screen uh, or you know or in a home theater on a big screen um, And it seems that more filmmakers are choosing to, use this widescreen format uh more now even though um uh, many more films are being watched at home and digitally i mean it was it was not by design i'm sure uh when when you made the film that you that you realized that most people would be watching it at home but uh it's not the it doesn't precisely fit the standards of most tele- televisions or home theaters which are 16 by 9 it tends to be a much wider aspect ratio can you talk about your decision to to shoot that way?
1: Well, I I think um, I I was sure from the beginning that I wanted to use this aspect because of the landscapes and and because how we wanted to to put the characters in the landscapes and and to create kind of an expressive relationship. So I I wanted almost like the landscape became part of of the inner parts of the inner emotions of, of the characters. And and when we were developing and we were taking pictures and just kind of cutting them to to explore this, the the cinema scope feeling. And well, we we didn't use actual anamorphic lenses because we didn't have the the budget, Uh, but we we did shoot in in full frame 4K so we could cut and and just have uh, the feeling and and use it in, in that way
0: so it it wasn't shot it was just shot and and you were able to mat it uh to that aspect ratio later oh, that's yes. great um and then the decision to uh have the uh monologue, which we see told visually in flashback of the of the of the bus traveler who talks to, to about what happened to magdalena's son in in the version uh we're showing that that's not translated by subtitles uh we we hear what he's saying, but we see we see much more clear. I assume the decision to not use subtitles is because even Magdalena would not really understand his dialect either.
1: Yeah, and, and that's something wonderful about collaboration and how film really uh, enriches from the opinions of, of your team. Because when, when we wrote that scene, uh, we have two voices. We have... Uh, the old man's voice in Zapoteco. And we had the translation to Spanish from the granddaughter. And when we were editing, and uh, we were showing a cut to, to one of our partners who, who is an amazing DP. She wasn't the DP for this film for, for other reasons, pers- personal reasons, and, and but anyway, we, we trust her a lot. And, and we almost everything we write and everything we edit, we consult with her. So she was the first one to watch the film. And I, I to be honest, I didn't have time just to to put the voice of, of the granddaughter. And so I, I left it without it. And she said, don't do it. You, you should just leave it like that because if I understand correctly th- what you what you are trying to say, she shouldn't be understanding, and, and, and the translation is the image, and she was right. And so we, Astrid and I talked about that, and we decided it, sh- it should be left without the translation, the voice, and also without subtitles. But, uh, I mean, that's what's wonderful about film. It, it wasn't really my idea. It, it was a suggestion of something that came just to collaborate, and, and, and the idea was, was hers.
0: It's, it is a wonderful choice. Um, I want to bring us around to something we talked about at the beginning um, because it touches on something else I read in the in the press notes of the film where you're quoted as saying, Fernanda, I'm certain that when time passes I will look back and find more mature stories that better portray this moment. I can only say that I felt a deep urge to tell this one now. And again, I'm curious uh, and I assume you were speaking of uh, this feature version and not the short version Uh, what aspects of the movie, maybe 20 years from now, might seem uh, less mature or or even immature to you uh, and hopefully not to viewers?
1: Well, I I think there are some scenes and and, and I think it happens to to every filmmaker that we don't feel so happy about. I mean, I did the best I could, but uh, I I think some scenes kind of... um, I did because I, I, I didn't how to make them any better. Uh, and I won't say specifically, but I, when, every time I watch the film, I can see my limitations in, in terms of direct and directing and, and in terms of uh, how to resolve an encounter between two people. And, and, and I think probably that's what it's going to feel in the future, perhaps, uh, uh, limited and, and depending on how the violence and how this thing evolves, I think and I hope this will feel like a situation of a distant past. Um, but right now, I think I'm still too close to this film to to really identify, even though I can recognize my limitations throughout the film when every time I, I watch it. and 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 but i, I
0: you're, think you're speaking of technique right I, I mean it's not a it's not an a, a maturity as defined by attitude towards because i think it's a very deeply felt and mature film uh speaking in terms of attitude and 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 empathy towards the characters i think it's very deeply felt but i think maybe i i assume what you're talking about is t- technical aspects where you feel like Maybe there's a way I could have visually found a way, or in editing, to 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 express the moment in a, in a different or or better way, I guess.
1: Yes, and and, and I think, and what what I was really worried about, and um, while writing and making this film, I think. And and this perhaps will sound weird, but I think many Latin American films, um, I think are naturalistic and and it it has kind of become like the standard. And also in terms of directing and working with actors and non-professional actors, I think it has become establishment that are, are acted a certain way. Because we feel like professional actors cannot represent certain characters and, and, and it has to do with social differences and and even perhaps that non-professional actors can only deliver a certain way because they're not they're not professional. And uh, perhaps um, what I tried really hard to do is that uh, we have a cast of people. A combination of professional actors and, and non-professional actors, and what I wanted to express was that uh, the depth of people, the the the, the depth of, of 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 their humanity, even though there might be uh, in in a distance in terms of uh, culture and 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 social social distance in general. So uh, I hope. That uh, I had done this right, and it portrays that uh, that humanity. But even if at some point it doesn't, what it expresses are my limitations as a director, and, and not the limitation of the actors, and, and, and especially of the of the characters behind those characters, behind those those, uh, those actors. So. Um, that, I think that's what I'm referring to also, besides the technique, that my capacity and my ability to express that humanity.
0: Well, thank you for that. I, I have one last question, which I think you've kind of just partly answered, Fernanda, and so I'll, I'll ask it also of, of Astrid. Uh, first, Magdalena's jury, uh, journey you know, at times can be a scary one, uh, ultimately a sad one, but she never gives up and she always remains brave even when she thinks she might come face to face with the devil. And are there other deliberate moves you made uh, in writing and editing to keep some kind of hope or humanity alive within Magdalena and by extension, uh, the viewers at Story's End? Because this is sometimes a grim... And sad movie, but I, I won't say I found it depressing because I didn't. And I think all movies that are depressing are bad. Um, first of all, in this film, the style and the tension and suspense and vision that are on display are enough to invigorate any viewer. But as I said, you, Magdalena's journey, a journey, keeps you know keeps the humanity alive. So, uh, were there other things that you did t- deliberately, Austria to? Keep that humanity.
2: What we tried uh, to do with with Magdalena was trying to to get the what is for us more sacred about this whole situation in Mexico, which are the families looking for their children. That's they, they become they become really advocates in 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 terms of of of. of not only to find their own people, but helping others to, to try to defeat all the systemic violence that's everywhere in Mexico. So I think that that's I think that's the, the the purest part of the character is that she portrays this hope that we have in Mexico that that, that, that the mothers are really uh, like a, like like an institution here in in terms of of looking for the victims in the other in the other side what we wanted also to say is that the 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 love of this woman to to her son. So so that's so pure that I also think that we really can relate to this story very easily and we're really hoping that she finds finds uh, her son and what we tried to do at some point also was trying to portray that these stories of terrible uh, despair and desolation happen in these beautiful landscapes we have. And also, I think that at, at that point, there are some moments that you feel like everything's going very, very terribly wrong with, with this uh, mother's quest to find her son. But there's also like the sun falling and 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 these wonderful mountains around that like like the mother nature is very close to her like keeping company and that's what we wanted to do uh, when we were writing that we we had that very with a lot of clarity that we were going to try to to have something nurturing in the in the landscapes that we were looking for the film that's
0: wonderful again congratulations on the Movie now being released is still showing at film festivals. Uh, thank you,
1: we're very glad. Congratulations to
0: you. Uh, again, and uh, thank you for joining us. This has been uh, a pleasure.